ready for the weekend with Community Radio's premier sports show. Your new fix of Friday night sport. Welcome to the bench. Quarter past six, lots to get through tonight, so we're not going to muck around. We're going to get stuck straight into a local angle from the word go. Big afternoon on Sunday for the Northern District Rangers as they qualified. Uh, some would say luckily, but they sweated it out last Sunday. They managed to scrape into the Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Sydney Thunder Conference semi-finals by the skin of their teeth, thanks to Bankstown doing them a favour in the very last ball of the last qualifying match, getting up to win off that last ball, chasing down a monstrous 207 total and pipping Parramatta on net run rate. So, how do the NDs thank Bankstown? By hopefully coming out and beating them at Bankstown Oval in our broadcast semi-final on Sunday from quarter past two. Ollie Hing, who is in the squad, not sure whether he'll be playing on Sunday. He has some other commitments in second grade over the weekend, first to deal with. Uh, has joined us online to talk about that and the rest of grade cricket, men's grade cricket this weekend. Good evening, Holly, and once again, welcome back to the bench. Yeah, thanks. Good to be on. All right. What's been the vibe this week in the camp going into this semi-final on Sunday? Any news yet on team announcements or any surprises? Um, yeah, pretty similar squad heading in. I think everyone's pretty excited. Um, we've had a pretty good um, campaign so far, you know, a couple of close wins and um, in terms of guys coming in, I think John Wheeling's come back from overseas after, um, you know, six to 12 months off, um, and he'll bolster the batting squad. Other than that, um, it's a pretty similar squad. Indeed. All right, then. Um, what about how you played out last Sunday? You didn't play. You had the day off, but one by one, each of those results went against you. Firstly, uh, Hawkesbury won on a big net run rate correction uh, over Fairfield, then Penrith defeated uh, Fairfield in the late game at Rosedale to clinch their semi-final meeting against each other, and Parramatta knocked over Sydney University in the first match of the doubleheader at Marylands when Ben Abbott went absolutely burko and scored the first of his two centuries. That's right, two T20 centuries in the one day. Um, the first one was 111 off 60, second one was 124 off 52, and at one point. Um, it looked very much that the Rangers were looking down the barrel. Yeah, that's right. We, um, we were keeping a close eye on the scores. Um, lucky enough for us, Ben Abbott scored another century. So um, that's going to... Oh, and then Bankstown obviously had a win. So um, well, They left it to the last ball. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the very last ball. The last ball was hit 4-4 to chase down that 207 after Nick Carruthers and Nathan McAndrew, who were going well in full cry, both got out late in the run chase. Yeah, so very glad um, they could get over the line so we could sneak through. But I think we've made our own luck throughout the whole campaign, winning you know, some tight matches. So I think we're thoroughly deserved to be where we are. Well, going into Sunday... You played Bankstown in your last qualifying game. Didn't make enough runs, but by gee, you defended them grandly and almost uh, were able to defend a miserly or very moderate 115. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, you know, obviously the batsmen didn't stand up on the day, but I think, you know, all it takes is one or two guys to get going on Sunday and, you know, we're confident our bowling lineup can defend, you know, and our fielding. Um, group can defend, you know, whatever total we make or um, we can chase whatever total that bank's down put up. I've just seen that uh, extended squad of uh, 
14 players that have been named. Bankstown have named a 12-man side. No uh, real surprises there. Nick Carruthers is playing. Uh, so too is Nathan McAndrew. So too is uh, uh, Dave Nakotra, who hit Ross Pawson for six to win that qualifying match at Bankstown over a fortnight ago. Aaron Bird, the controversial veteran who only plays T20 these days, has also been named. Um, it's promises to be another tight contest. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they've got um, you know, a couple of really good players, experienced players. Um, but so do we. We've got, you know, guys who played first grade for years and, um, you know, been on the fringe of first class. So um, I think it's going to be a very tight game and I uh, can't wait to see the outcome. Of course. Uh, Sunday, uh, we'll be on air. If you can't make it to Bankstown Oval on Sunday, the game starts at 2.30. We'll be on air from around 2.15. Pat Cullen... Uh, myself and Matt Mears will be on deck to lead the coverage from Bankstown Oval on Sunday. Nice to see we're making some history for other clubs. Apparently it's the first time ever in the long history of the Bankstown Club that they've had one of their first grade matches in any grade broadcast live on radio. Nice to see we're making history for other clubs as well as ourselves. That was at least what uh, Brian Friedman told me, Shane, during the week. And if anyone would know in that Bankstown Club, it would be Brian Friedman. It certainly would. Good evening, Ollie. Yeah, that is that is true. It is the first game of any level. Not even when you go back to their park level, so like the Martin Shield or Telegraph Shield. None of it's been broadcast, but for you guys to be able to be part of club history for the Bankstown side, mate, sit back, relax, enjoy the Steve War Pavilion. And come home with the points. In, well, let's see what happens. Let's quickly go through the other semi-finals and the rest of Sydney grade over the weekend, Ollie. Your thoughts on the other semi-final, the Battle of the of the Blue Mountains amongst the smoke on Sunday uh, at Howell Oval where Penrith are taking on Hawkesbury. Yeah, so obviously another two teams that we beat in the last four, I think. Um, so it'll be a tight match. Obviously Penrith is, you know, um, they've got Gibson... Um, scored a lot of runs for him, Hackney uh, and the bowlers, you know, some smart bowlers in uh, uh, Hodges and uh, Josh Layla's back as well. So, and on, on the Hawkesbury side, you know, Peter Forrest has been doing pretty well for them and um, I think he's going to be, you know, the most important guy for Hawkesbury if they have to get over the line. Josh Layla's going to be critical though for Penrith with the new ball and uh, given that he's got another stint coming up with the Brisbane Heat in the BBL alongside Ryan Gibson. They've named a 15-man squad. Hawkesbury have named their 14-man squad under Peter Forrest. The Sydney Sixers Conference semi-finals promise to be just as intriguing. The uh, unbeaten Randwick Petersham Randy Peets host St George who also did a bit of sweating on Sunday. They scraped in on net run rate when other results went their way, namely Eastern Suburbs couldn't do the job in either of their home games at Waverley last Sunday. But when you look at uh, the Randy Peets, uh, you've got D Sams looming large as the quintessential uh, T20 marquee player, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, looking at that Randwick Petersham side, most of those guys have stepped up this year with a, a bit of the battle ball. Bell Drummond, the Englishman, Justin Sanger, the skipper, and Riley Ayres taking wickets for fun. And then you look at St George, who uh, are under Nick Stapleton, but none of their big guns are playing. No Trent Copeland uh, and no uh, Moses Henriques, of course, because they'll be playing Sheffield Shield at the Sydney Cricket Ground over the weekend. Yeah, and obviously Curtis Patterson is still injured. So, um, you know, St George are quite a young side, but plenty of talent in there, and I think it's... You know, it could still be an upset on the cards. Um, all it takes is, you know, one guy to take a few wickets or get a few runs. So, 
Um, I think it'd be pretty even. Oh, not evenly matched. I think uh, Ramon Peterson will get over the line quite easily. The other semi-final: Manly versus the Sydney Tigers at Tremoyne. Manly didn't play last Sunday. The results went their way, and they haven't named their team yet. Uh, whereas the Sydney Tigers have named a strong side under skipper Ben Menenti. The money man, Nick Bills, alongside Bo McClintock. Uh, the Felchers, always hard to beat at uh, Dremoyne, but no Daniel Smith. Yeah, so obviously with Smitty, the batting, um, that was a little bit with that batting, but um, we've seen Bo McClintock, you know, he's been one of the best players in the 2020 over the last couple of years, kind of batting that four or five spot. Um and yeah, Felsch always gets away early. He's got a couple of hundreds in the last few years, so I think it'll be a tight match. Um, and depending on who Manly puts up, um, whether their first class players are back or not, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, there's a full round of uh, two day stuff uh, in the main competition that finishes tomorrow. Um, I wonder what the talk has been like at practice this week, knowing that Scott Rogie, after getting four for 58 and taking a catch against his old club, Mossman, will be the next man in when a wicket falls tomorrow. Yeah, he will be coming in next. Um, hopefully not too early. Hopefully our guys can, um, you know, take off some of the total. And I think Scotty, he'll be up for it. And he's in some good form. He's coming up 150. So um, I think we'll be able to chase that down. Well, they uh, it's 2.56, uh, Mossman being bowled out. And look, Northern District start at 2.461. Ross Pawson, the night watchman, is there uh, alongside John Anderson on 17. But... Uh, very briefly, your second graders, uh, Ollie, before we go any further to the rest of first grade, well, they had a very much a, <laughs> a day out <laughs> last weekend at uh, Mark Taylor Oval against Mossman, racking up a monster nine for 438 in just 87 overs. How good is Corey Miller travelling at the moment? First man in any grade to score two centuries this season uh, with his 156. Yeah, he's been great for us, Corey. Um, he's turned 17 last week, so in a huge future. 17, and he's already yeah, got two second-grade hundreds this season. Yeah, so he's been a rock at the top of our order and um, helped us get away to a really good start last week. Um, you got some runs, finally. Got a, a, a neat 38 batting at number four when, obviously, the uh, the orders were to get on with the business. Yeah, so it was nice to contribute, but, um, you know, disappointing not to cash in on a really good wicket. Now, given all the smoke and the dryness around this week, it's restricted practice, I know. Um, what's been um, the word on this wicket? It's going to be dry and 4.38. You might need every run of them. Uh, Mossman starting at none for 11. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very flat wicket last week. You know, uh, showed if we had wickets in hand at tea, we could go on with it. So I think early wickets is key for us, but at the same time, we've got a lot of runs on the board. So scoreboard pressure is going to be a big factor. And going in tomorrow's game. Indeed. All right. The rest of the matches, very briefly, tomorrow, uh, when they conclude, uh, firstly, uh, that's the rest of the first grade matches, just quickly those those scores uh, going into tomorrow. Randwick Petersham versus uh, Blacktown Mounties at Joe McAleer. Well, the Randy Peets uh, made six for 407 last week. Uh, the Englishman, Bell Drummond, made a century. Blacktown start none for 39, and any time Jordan Gauchy is around the place ready to bat next, that might not be safe given how dry that wicket's going to be out there. Yeah, so Ray McPeacham had 400, good score, but I think, um, you know, Joe Max a great batting wicket, so if Blacktown can 
bat around Jordan. Um, obviously, he's their main main bat, so if they can bat around him, then they might have a good chance of chasing this down. Indeed. St. St. George at Hurstville were bowled out for, uh, at Waverley were bowled out for 208 by Eastern Suburbs, who are still unbeaten in the main competition. Look, the Beasties start at 2 for 40, and it's not quite over and done with yet, but you'd still say that Easter favourites there. At Rosedale, uh, Fairfield, um, well, Penrith made 7 for 341, thanks to young Anthony Bayless's 104, uh, and they made 7 for 341 off 102 overs uh, faced. That's uh, a fair uh, number of overs to get through in a day. Uh, in the match at Chatswood, it's uh, Gordon, uh, sorry, Bankstown bowled out for 218. Charlie Stobo back in form with 3 for 56, and Nathan Doyle 4 for 48. But uh, Gordon have some work to do. They're 3 for 72 starting play tomorrow. Uh, at uh, Manly Oval, uh, Campbelltown were bowled out for 236. Jack Edwards got the wickets, 4 for 78, bowling first change with his fast mediums. But uh, Manly, it's not done and dusted yet. They were in all sorts of trouble before uh, Jay Lenton's 54 not out was able to get them to 4 for 85. The married at first sight man, Cam Merchant, was dismissed in the last over of the day last week. for the last 18, ball of the day Last was. ball of the day yep. for 18 last week. So that's not a put-in, take-out job for Manly. Uh, Jay Lenton's going to have to be there 100 and something not out if they're going to win it. Mm. Absolutely. Um yeah, look, obviously four wickets down for Manly, but, um, you know, they're quality side on paper and they bat all the way down to 11. So I think if they can get through that first session unscathed, um, uh, I think they'll go a long way to winning that game. Interesting uh, contest at uh, uh, Old Kings where Parramatta made nine for 291. Tim Ward batted through the day for his 113 not out. Ben Abbott, well, he must have saved his form for the Sunday. He got a duck on the Saturday before his two T20 centuries on the Sunday. That's an interesting contest at Dremoyne. It's uh, Sydney Tigers uh, versus Sutherland there. And Sutherland made nine for 299, thanks to Dan Fallon's making runs. 78 not out, batting at number eight with the bat, uh, the leading leggy. He made uh, out of the nine for 299. So that'll give Sydney an interesting chase. In the university's derby at David Phillips South, uh, Uni of New South Wales were rock and rolled for 133. Sydney Uni have already got first innings points, starting at one for 151, uh, thanks to Damien Mortimer's 62 not out. They'll be aiming for their first outright win of the year. And at Pratton Park, it uh, Western Suburbs... Uh, made six for 303. A lot of starts there. Josh Clark made 96, and they take on Hawkesbury. All right, then, we'll leave it at that. Uh, lots to get through for the rest of the program, Ollie. Good luck tomorrow. In the smoke, um, although there is mail around that Cricket New South Wales and Sydney Cricket Association might be looking at conditions in the morning, and if this smoke hangs around, there might not be any play. What's your thoughts on that before we go? No, well, sorry, I can actually step in and right? talk more about it. Cricket New South Wales, like for all your park associations, they've said they they would prefer that the associations actually cancel games. It's a recommendation, but it's up to the association. Yeah. Essentially, is what I've just read. Yeah. That's for the park associations. Yeah, and then for the for the grade and shires, it'll be up to the umpires at ten a.m. for all grades to make a call on it. And the same with the Sunday for the T twenties, and also even the Sheffield Shield. It's now it's now in the discretion of the umpires whether they start on time or play at all. All right, well, uh, seeing that that news is around and the forecast is for more smoke uh, across the weekend, uh, Ollie, it's going to be a wait-and-see thing in the morning then, isn't it? 
Yeah, hopefully we can get on. Um, you know, I think the last couple of weeks at White Star on Saturday has been quite clear. So hopefully there's a bit of wind that can clear the smoke and we can get on and um, get six points. All right, uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, let's hope that, we, that all players can get on around the cricket grounds of Sydney across this weekend. It's looking doubtful. I've got to say, this smoke is hanging around, and with the bushfires surrounding the Sydney Fringe only getting worse, it's not a uh, it's not a pretty uh, it's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty uh, uh, outlook at all. But we'll wait and see. Ollie, thanks for your time. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Ollie Hing from the Northern District Rangers. Get ready for the weekend with Community Radio's premier sports show, your new fix of Friday Night Sport. Welcome to the bench. We're at 25 to 7. Plenty to get through still over the next hour and a half. We haven't, uh, not by design, uh, talked a lot of AFL. We have covered off on matches week by week during the season and given regular scores uh, of the uh, Sydney AFL competition. But uh, as a sign that we want to break out a little bit more into the Australian game in future years on this program or future months on this program, the AFL Draft, one of the biggest events in Sport in the southern part of Australia just took place last week. The dust has settled. So to go through that in some detail, at least the first 25 picks anyway, well, maybe not the first 25, but the first couple at least anyway, it's great to have Levi Brain from the Manly uh, Warringah Australian Football Club online to discuss that and a couple of other things that have tickled his fancy. Welcome to the bench for the first time, Levi. G'day, Tony. How are you, mate? Very well, very well. Now, your thoughts on the draft, which finished last week. I mean, all the toings and froings and the industry that the draft has become in its own right, particularly driven by a dormant and, dare I say it, bored Melbourne media who have nothing to talk about after the last Saturday in September. Um, your thoughts on, on, on that? I mean, pretty much almost went as expected, didn't it? Yeah, more or less, mate. Um, obviously, Carlton threw a threw a bit of spanner in the works, uh, uh, causing a bit of havoc, um, making two live live trades with uh, which sports, um, GWS and Frio, to uh, access their academy picks. But uh, other than that, went pretty much pretty much the schedule. And that schedule started with the first two picks. Uh, the number one and the number two picks, Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson. No surprise, uh, going uh, to the Gold Coast Suns, uh, straight out of the Oakley Chargers uh, uh, side in the under-18s last year. That's right, mate. These two boys actually grew up together playing footy. So and these are the best mates. One without the, the other. Mates. Can't and, do. Uh, how good is that, eh? Heading up the Gold Coast. But I think it's a bit of a smart pick by the Gold Coast. Keep the lads together. Get them up there, you know change the scenery and then they'll have each other because at the moment the way the Gold Coast are going it's more of a, just the nurturing to head them back, back home to Victoria. Indeed yeah. and the other thing too with the Gold Coast at the moment is that um, the, the distractions of the party lifestyle have been too much for some players perhaps even for G. Ablett Jr. when he went up there. Yeah I mean it's completely different to these country towns in Victoria um, I actually grew up in a country Victorian town, so can relate. But um, yeah, I, I think once they get up there, I mean, on crazy amount of money, and then uh, and then they start playing, and then the pressure gets to them. And you know, I, I just think they it's kind of a scapegoat using using the party scene, but um, because because uh, they're struggling up there. But as as you said, it, it's totally different, and 
Um, hopefully they can turn it around. I know Stewie Jew's up there. And he's a hard man at the and a hard man for a hard road. That's right, mate. I think if he can do the right things up there, he's a, he's a big boy, but um, he's had a lot of, lot of success on on and off the field. So um, if anyone can get him together, I think Stewie can. I know the AFL are backing him in, so they, well, they have to. Don't want this to be a failure. Oh, they they have to, and they've got the war chest to keep backing them in. Everything That's else right, that mate. they everything else that they've backed. Eventually has succeeded. The Swans succeeded. GWS eventually succeeded. Although I think maybe the jury might still be out on them, even though they made the grand final last season. Uh, especially when all of their good players eventually um, go to the back half of their careers. Uh, Brisbane have resurged, although some quietly uh, astute recruiting of a good senior hardhead in Luke Hodge in their back line has also helped them as well. Going through That's the right, mate. indeed going through the rest. Uh, of the draft. Look, Melbourne got Luke Jackson from East Frio at, uh, at number three. After Carlton did their uh, spatter in the works trick, Lockie Ash was uh, uh, taken by the Giants at four. Dylan Stevens from uh, the Norwood Redlegs at five. And then the Adelaide Crows got Fisher uh, uh, McCasey from Sandringham at number six. He was, And that was part of the GWS trade that had to be done as, as part of the uh, the Carlton tantrum, for want of a better word. That's right, mate. Carlton's throwing a bit of spanner and work, doing the dirty, but it's all right. Um, it's telling me, I'm getting reports out of uh, my source from the Swans that um, this is the first year that they actually haven't had taken anyone from Victoria. All their picks are from South Australia or WA, and I know Dylan Stevens, a nice outside player, very silky. He's likened to uh, Andrew Gaff from, the, w, from the, the West Coast Eagles. And if he's half as good as Andrew Gaff, he'll certainly be a good pickup. Why do you think that? Has it just been a coincidence that they haven't picked up any Victorians, the uh, mate, the, the, the Swans, mate, this I'm year? Not, just, what, just the way it goes? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure, mate. I, I, I think maybe it might be might be an angle, but um, knowing the Swans, I think, I think they know what they want. And, and by the looks of things, they're looking for a bit of outside polish. I know they've got the inside players, so... Um, I think it. I think we'll just say it's a coincidence, but we never know what's going on in house, you know. Absolutely, uh, Giants yeah. picked up then Tom Green at ten. Um, that was one of the, that was the academy selection. That's uh, right. As, uh, the, the, the first of the Carlton's uh, dummy spit spanner in the work uh, jobs. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. He's a big boy from Canberra, and uh, he's been playing in their lo- in their Naples, their northeastern league uh, squad all Canberra year. Canberra Demons. So yeah, so he was just. He'll just slide straight in. I think he'd been training there, and he's big boy, and, and uh, I hear he's uh, he's quite popular on the boys, bit of Alarican too. Which is always a help. Or do you think that they may park him, the Giants, in their near full side for a little while, uh, given that oh, he was he rushed in on the back of this Carlton move? Yeah, oh, you might have to do a bit of time, but you never know with with this, this Giants system. They've 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 done a good job with with some of the local boys from Riverina and down Canberra. Um, so uh, you never know. You can't say no, but you, you never know. Uh, the rest of the Swans picks. Um, Elijah Taylor from uh, the Perth Football Club was traded from St Kilda after being received from the Bulldogs. He was the number 36 pick. And uh, then they also, uh, as I go down my list, they also picked up Will Gould uh, from uh, Glenelg at uh, pick number 26. Yeah, so they're, what, what they're telling me about this Elijah Taylor fella is um, he's actually touted as one of the, as potentially the most talented in the draft. So they re- he's an Indigenous boy from the WA. He's got bloodlines to Lance Franklin. 
And uh, he's just handy to have. With, yeah, he's actually living with Buddy at the moment up here, um, just for the relocation. So um, it's exciting things, long term prospect for him. And Elijah Taylor, another South Australian boy, actually played in the in the uh, local cl- local competition senior grand final for Glenelg. So he might slide into senior football quite quicker than you think as well. Well, the Sandful has always been regarded, even though the Victorians, um, and, and I don't want to say this too loudly, being yeah, a country Victorian yourself. Not many of them are listening. <laughs> not many, yeah, but, but the Sandful, if you've listened to South Australians, has always been regarded as the best non uh, AFL competition in the country. And uh, yes, Glenelg did make that Sandful grand final uh, in the season just finished. So he's going to be uh, certainly. Far more advanced as far as ready for the hustle and bustle of senior footy than maybe a few others will be. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of the majority of the draft is coming out of the TAC Cup down in Victoria, but the experience these interstate, these Western Australian kids get from playing senior football is just, it's second to none. It's second to none. And, and um, yeah, as you said, I mean, that's just going to fast track his progress in terms of playing that level above. Chad Water, the number 39 pick from East Frio to the Swans, and then uh, uh, a famous surname in decades gone past, Jake Riccardi going to the Giants at pick 51 out of Werribee. Yeah, mate, well, that's, yeah, he's a famous surname, old Pete, Peter Riccardi. He, he was, he, he, he's had a lot of good highlights over the years. And if, any, if, if his young boy's anything like him, then something to get excited about. Well, he was one of the best midfielders of, in, in his time in an era of, 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 of men like uh, like Couch, uh, the late, great uh, Paul Couch, the former Brownlow medalist, right. uh, amongst others in that. Uh, Robert Scott is another that comes to mind in that era that Peter Riccardi played in when they were beaten by the West Coast in those two grand finals under Malcolm Blight in the 90s. What else? Uh, the, and finally, a pick 65 in the last, the very last pick was Tom Hutchison um, from the... Adelaide Crows Sandfall reserve side uh, to the Giants. He might be someone that might be spending time in the Neafel. Yeah, I mean they're always getting these boys um, just just to complement the list. And and you know if they've done their time, they know how how the system works. The opportunity is given it to them. And if he's raised on, if he if he's been elevated to the list, then obviously they've seen something over the past year, which has given them enough to you know give them a chance. So. I think with a good pre-season under the belt, obviously he'll be there to support the, their, their sample side, but you never know with injuries and whatnot. I know Adelaide have had a total total clean-out, so I, I mean, I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities there with the new coach as well. Getting back to Elijah Taylor, the mail is, is that he's going to wear Adam Goods's number 37 jumper. Now, wow. how great an honour is that that's going to be? Yeah, that's, that's big. That's unheard of these days, but... So, uh, uh, given the given the legacy that Goods has left, not only the Swans but also Indigenous footballers in this country, and what uh, he went through, is that putting too much pressure on the kid early wearing that jumper, knowing what that's been through? I mean, I can't I can't speak for the kid myself because I don't know him personally, but I, I know the Swans from the Floods culture. I mean, if, if anyone can sort of instill that instill that sort of culture and that attitude towards it, I'm, I'm sure you know, Elijah will, will, will not disappoint. I know it's a lot of pressure, but the Swans wouldn't do it if they didn't think he could. Alright, what else uh, tickled your fancy? I've just covered the, the two Sydney-based clubs in the draft. What else tickled your fancy? Or 
raise the eyebrows in the draft for you? Hey, the, uh, the, the, the three medals, uh, they, they picked seven, eight, and nine in the draft. Um, that really, that, that got me a little bit excited. Obviously, they had to do it because of Carlton. But Hayden Young, Caleb uh, Sarong, and Liam Henry uh, yeah. were taken at seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. So they are. Uh, so they. So. Um, sorry, mate. Yeah, uh, Henry was uh, top basketball junior, and then last year decided to concentrate on on footy. And, and he's come out of the next generation Indigenous Academy. That's right, mate. And they're moving into another Nick Natanui type player. So. That's something to be excited about as well. And, of course, he came... That was the other part of the Carlton um, uh, Spanner in the Works uh, dummy spit uh, uh, right, surprise at the, at, the, at the last moment. And Caleb Young has been traded from Melbourne via North Melbourne and the Gippsland Power. Hayden Young from the Dandenong Stingrays out of that under-18s competition. All right. Um, finally... The AFL industry can take a break for Christmas um, with the pre-season training well and truly underway right across the board. The mail is, you're probably hearing the same mail I'm at, that uh, Buddy Franklin has not been looking better or fitter in a pre-season that he does right now. Uh, I've heard things, but what I do know about Buddy is that he sort of just goes down to training and he does what he wants. So it's a, it's a lot of the nurturing type thing. So... Um, Definitely leaner, but I'm not sure if he's any fitter. But uh, he's getting he's getting on now, bud. So, well, he is the other side of thirty, and he's still got yeah. three or four years to go in this ten-year contract. So, fingers crossed, he can get it all together. I'm sure the Swans will look after him, but um, yeah, let's just hope that he can get on the field. Like, hopefully, this year. Yes, because uh, he missed a lot of last year. Maybe the impending fatherhood might do uh, the right thing by him. Uh, That's right, mate. On and off the field. It does change perspective on life uh, quite a bit. And um, taking Elijah Taylor under the wing the way he has and almost gifting him the number 37 jumper, that might be something there. One last thing before I let you go. Um, from a local perspective... Um, the Wolves. Now, uh, a disappointing year in the season just gone. Uh, what has been that off-season review looking like looking forward to 2020, given that most of the big guns are probably going to still be the ones to beat in the Sydney AFL competition next year? Yeah, that's right, mate. Obviously, last year we had um, we had a bit of a turnover in terms of senior players but moving on with their um, perspective uh I guess life challenges with work and interstate travel and what, and so we decided to uh, sort of, I guess, not rebuild, but start from uh, the boys that were there, and uh, we've got a very young, exciting group. We had some promising wins last year. Um, yeah, as far as moving forward, um, I don't want to. I want to keep my cards close to me, but um, it is an exciting year ahead, and um, we'll definitely look to improve. But I think we're still. Maybe a couple of years off. We're still at a very young group. But, is top um, four realistic given that you've got North Shore, Pennant Hills, uh, Sydney Uni, who are going to be amongst the favourites again? Oh, for sure. I mean, the goal the goal would just be to play finals. Um, yeah, so that's that's the goal, mate. Um, everyone has their turnovers over over the years and whatnot. I mean, you know, that's how it, that's footy. And um, I think obviously UNSW Eastern Suburbs will always be very difficult to beat given the list they've had across this 
I mean, not just their first grade, but their reserves as well. Um, but, I mean, it's open slather. Uh, we've got a new young guy coming down called Mark Rudderman. Um, he's turned up to training. He's a silky left footer from uh, Dandenong. But, um, yeah, that's all I can really share at the moment. All right, keeping it close to the days. chest. It's still early days, and you're still going to get a lot of players come in January. Get me back on the show, and I'll give you more, mate. Well, we might do that uh, on a regular basis to talk all things Sydney AFL in the new year. It's great to have you. Uh, great, mate. great to have you on board, Levi, and have a good Christmas. We don't speak to you in the meantime. You too, Tony. Thanks, mate. Sugar. Indeed. Uh, Levi Brain from the Manly Warringah Wolves. Now on the bench, it's time for something different. Time to look at ice hockey. Yes, indeed. Coming up to seven minutes to seven. Massive weekend coming up in the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League. It's the top of the table clash. Adelaide taking on the Sydney Sirens. A lot of people think that this is going to be a dress rehearsal for the grand final sometime in February and March. Keith Topolsky are... Um, uh, industrious ice hockey expert, amongst other things, here on the bench, has worked hard this week to file this report. Thanks, Tony. The Australian Women's Ice Hockey League season, yes, it is in full swing. We start out by heading to Melbourne with the Melbourne Ice facing off against the Perth Inferno this weekend. The Inferno, six games and a duck egg. Not a single point in regulation or in overtime, or anything. They haven't been able to take a game to a shootout or overtime. They're sitting on zero points. The Melbourne Ice, though, they're not doing too much better. They've had four games so far, and they're sitting on a, on just the one win, I should say. I was going to say Duck Egg as well, but they're sitting on the one win. So this is a very, very big weekend for the Perth Inferno and the Melbourne Ice in the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League at the O'Brien Ice House in Melbourne. Saturday, 4pm, Sunday, 1.15, puck drop. You can catch all the action on IWIHLlive.com. Make sure you tune in. Those games are going to be desperations. But all eyes, instead... The Ice Arena of Adelaide, Saturday, 4 o'clock Central Time, Sunday, 9.30 Central Time. So it'll be 10 o'clock Sunday morning Eastern, Saturday, 4.30 Eastern. The Adelaide Rush, eight games, eight regulation wins, facing off against the Sydney Sirens, six games, six regulation wins. This is going to be an epic battle for the ages. It's a grand final dress rehearsal. I think pretty much everybody is resigned to that fact. The sirens have been outstanding. The rush have been fantastic in their games as well. This is going to be an absolute belter of a game. Thrilled to be joined by a couple of the combatants on the weekend, one of whom I think will be playing in both games. The other will only be playing in one. We're going to start by sounding the siren by having a chat with Sydney Sirens goaltender. We've already had her on Splinters once, and now it's her debut on the bench, Sarah Dodomachi. Sarah, thanks for your time this evening. No problem. Thank you for having me. Let's start off with the big question, because Adelaide, they haven't played the Melbourne Ice yet. You guys have. You beat them twice, not just twice, but you beat them in regulation on their home ice after they beat you in the grand final last year, that must be a massive confidence boost for you going into this weekend. Oh, it was it was fantastic for our team. I mean, they were 
low scores, uh, but we worked hard, we battled to the end. It was fantastic to beat them in their own barn. That that sort of low-scoring game, that really does emphasise a bit of a defensive focus, doesn't it? Because your last four games, you conceded 1-1, one, 2-1. One, and, one. and that game against the Melbourne Ice, it was a 3-2 result, so Tina Girdler's obviously a sieve for letting in two goals rather than just the one, but it must have been quite the, quite the confidence builder to be able to go down there, not just win twice, but win twice in regulation. Yeah, well, I mean, all us goalies wear sieves in our own way, right? We all have different styles. Um, I was so close to my shot-out until my own D deflected the puck in. So, you know, that was a little disappointing, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, our defense have definitely stepped things up a lot. The games, they were... The, the low scoring shows that it was a pretty balanced game, and, and it certainly was, even just watching on the live stream. Um, yeah, the, both teams were competitive, battled hard. It did get a little bit aggressive. We've got some injuries out of that. So we do have poor Remy Harvey actually broke her collarbone out of that. Um, it gets competitive, but I think also people need to remember that this is just a hobby. That That's very important to remember. But in terms of the anger and the deflection past your own net, are you going to blame your defence on that? Because you had it, as you say, you had a shutout going then, and that's not your fault. So you're still going to claim the moral shutout and just blame the blue line totally? <laughs> Look, in, in reality, uh, and this comes from you know the years of coaching goalies as well, goalies should be prepared to save everything. So, um, you know, yes, the D scored on me, but I should have been able to read that as well. And my glove was there, but I just couldn't get it in the right spot in time. So, uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to blame anyone. Um, but it was an unlucky goal and, yeah, wiped her, my shutout. What do you make of the Adelaide rush at the moment? People are talking about, oh, it's a, it's a lay-down Mazaire, Adelaide to face Sydney in the grand final. But Adelaide, yes, they're unbeaten in eight starts, eight regulation wins for eight starts, but their wins, four of them are against Brisbane and four of them are against Perth, who are both bringing up the rear of the standings. Do you think that that might have a bit of a play on their psychology going into the game? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, eight from eight, that's going to give a confidence boost to, to anyone. I think what the, the beauty about um, this league is, you know, well, we have the live stream. So anyone can go on YouTube and, and watch the games live or you can, you know, watch it delayed as well. So we've also had the chance to watch all of Adelaide's eight games as well and see how they're playing and who the key players are. And, and you know, we know having Tash Farrier back in the league has done wonders for the team. They've got Nita over there. They've got Michelle Andro, both of them playing in net, um, veterans and, and really excellent goalies. So they've got a range of players on their team that once you put them together, they can get the job done. Uh, I think because they've yet to play Melbourne and because they're going to play us this weekend, maybe slightly tougher competition. So uh, if they stick to their systems, they're still going to be competitive against us. I think it just might be low-scoring games. You spoke of getting the job done. We're going to take the first weekend against the Inferno out of the equation because that opening game, I think just everybody sort of was trying to find their feet to a degree. But in the last four games between you, yourself and Tina Girdler, Tina's been saving at 9.38, just absolutely oh, terrible, yeah. terrible goaltending compared with you, who's actually saving at 9.42. You know, what, what, are you, what are you on at the moment and how can I get a slice of it? Well, uh... So the first game, yep, first opening game of the season, getting some cobwebs out. Uh, you know, when Perth score nine goals on me and still don't win, like that's 
they did well. Um, That's got to be a confidence boost, just, though. You, you leak nine and your offense can still get you home. I know, right? So we were lucky on that occasion, but um, it, it really showcased all the defensive work that we needed to do, and we've clearly um, tidied that up. Uh, so being more competitive that way. Um, and now I've forgotten what the question was. <laughs> in, in terms of what you've been doing since that opening game, because Tina's been fairly consistent across the season at 9.38, but you've really stormed into into form in the last two games. You did leak those early goals, so your overall save percentage is around the 8.75 mark, but the last two games you've played, you're saving at 9.42. Those are numbers that yeah. an NHL goalie would kill to have. Yeah, so yeah, so the first game, you know, didn't quite go according to plan and I've just had to work harder to get my stats to something a little bit more respectable. Um, I personally haven't really changed anything. I'm still doing the same things um, in the gym. Actually, I, I lied because we actually do have a strength and conditioning coach, so I've altered things a little bit. But I'm still working hard, still doing the same stuff on the ice. And, and with our goalie coach, Don McDonald, we have been making minor tweaks to our game. So... For me and for Tina, just things that we can do a little bit better, you know, identifying what goals are going in and how we can prevent those moving forward. And what do you see coming out of the weekend? Do you think you can take them or do you think that Adelaide might be putting on a few extra tricks to try and take some points off you? What's your What's your forecast for a total of six points on offer? I absolutely believe that we can take it to them this weekend and we can come away with the two wins. Uh, but we're not going to know until we get there. If we stick to our plays um, and we do all the right things, then there's no reason why we shouldn't. You know, we're six from six and they're eight from eight. Um, we know what lines work with, for us. We know what our strengths are. We know what Adelaide's strengths are. But at the same time, we also know what the weaknesses are and, and what we still need to you know, clean up a little bit to make sure that Adelaide don't get through. Well, it's going to be an absolutely sensational double header. As I said earlier, on the Saturday and on the Sunday, it's going to be 4 o'clock Central and 9.30 Central on Sunday morning, 4.30 and 10 o'clock Sydney time. Sarah Doramachi, I certainly hope I hear plenty of sirens sounded from the Adelaide Ice Arena on the weekend. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah Doramachi from the Sydney Sirens. And as we sound the siren, we see that the rush is coming because Kirsty Venus from the Adelaide Rush also joins us now. Kirsty, thanks for joining us on the bench. No, thank you for having me, Keith. It's great to be back. Eight wins from eight starts. That is a huge amount of momentum considering where you finished last season. I know. I can't believe it. Well, I definitely can believe it because we've got a great bunch of girls this year. Um, but, yeah, it's, wow, like it's a bit overwhelming really because, you know, we've never really been in this position before. It's the first time this has ever happened to us. So. You were confident going into the season that you could go all the way and I, I will put my hand up and I was a little bit sceptical of that because I thought it would be Melbourne, Sydney all the way but even at this point of the season, did you have any inclination that you might be anywhere near 8 from 8 at this point of the season? Um, no, well you know, I always had faith in us obviously um, and, you know, I'm sick of it always being Melbourne and Sydney and we want to put ourselves out there and we want to put Adelaide Hockey back on the map at the end of the day and we're working really hard towards that. We're doing a lot of training in the gym off the ice as well. So, 
you know, we're putting in the hard yards, so I feel like we deserve it. Saturday's game last week, it was a really gritty win that you really had to get in there and get to those nasty, dirty effort zones to really get the result. Do you think that stands you in good stead against the Sirens? Well, I, I really believe that um, as a team, unfortunately, we do play. We have a tendency to sometimes play to the level of our opponents. So um, I have no doubt, like, if we were on full form, I feel like we just needed a little kick up the um, the rear to get that last game um, in the bag. But, um, yeah, we have a tendency to play to the level of our opponents. So it was a bit slow. We, we didn't really go into full gear as we could have. There's two matchups that I want to pay attention to this weekend. The first is obviously the team versus the team. Adelaide Rush unbeaten versus Sydney Sirens unbeaten, both sporting 100% records. The other matchup I want to touch on is the irresistible force versus the immovable object. Give or take a couple of percentage points. Sarah Doramachi and Tina Girdler from the Sydney Sirens in the last four games. Between them, they're saving somewhere around 940. And on your side of the ledger, Tash Farrier, 22 points in eight games with three shorthanded goals. This really is the irresistible force versus the immovable objects, isn't it? I know. We Well, Tash is just, you know, she's so quick and you really have to keep an eye on her otherwise yeah she's unstoppable at this point she's doing so well um we're really lucky to have him and obviously there's a great benefit to having the sirens on home ice in your only matchup against them in the regular season i think it's yeah pretty confident i think we're pretty confident in saying there might be another matchup a bit later on in the season outside the regular season uh, unless things completely implode given how far behind the other teams are but yeah. in terms of having that home ice advantage, do you think that's really going to stand you in good stead? Or do you think that the sirens, they might take a little bit from being on the road and having to come together as a unit being so far away from home? No, I think, um, I don't think we have an advantage at all. Um, Sydney are a really experienced team and obviously, you know, they're doing just as good as we are. So I, I wouldn't like to think that they wouldn't come totally prepared for that. And I mean, you know, we we should be used to the travelling by now, and yeah, it does affect us. But you just—that's where they obviously have to um, take into consideration their preparation before the game, and you know, leading up to it when they arrive in Adelaide. And very quickly before we do let you go and get back to your preparation for the games tomorrow and on Sunday, what do you think is the key to beating the Sirens? Is it being able to capitalise on any power play opportunities? Is it staying out of the box? Is it your five-on-five play? What do you think is the key to taking down the Sirens? Well, you mentioned a good one there, staying out the box. I'm assuming it's going to be a physical game because, you know, obviously both two very competitive teams and neither of us want to lose that winning streak. So I think definitely keeping that, keeping out the box. Um, 110% effort all the time. No giving up. Like, you got to treat it as our puck only and um, get there first and be first in the puck every time, basically. Like, 110% effort, nothing less. Sounds like it's going to be an absolutely sensational <laughs> bout on the weekend. A couple of great games to be tuning into. I'm really excited. I, I can hear it in your voice. So we're going to let you preserve a little bit of that energy. Kirsty Venus from the Adelaide Rush, thanks for joining us on the bench. No worries. Thank you for having me.
Kirsty Venus there from the Adelaide Rush in the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League. And Tony, couple of sensational bouts coming up tomorrow and on Sunday down at the O'Brien Ice House, as mentioned earlier. It's Melbourne versus Perth. Puck drop in Melbourne tomorrow afternoon from 4pm, Sunday at 1.15pm Sydney time. And then the big one, the undefeated battle, the 100% Adelaide Rush and the 100% Sydney Sirens. Saturday, 4pm Central, which is going to be 4.30pm uh, 4.30 p.m., yes, Sydney time, and then on Sunday morning, 9.30 Central time, and that's going to be at 10 a.m. Sydney time. As always, all the action, awihllive.com. That's I A W. I'll try that again, awihllive.com. You can Google it, you can YouTube it, you can Facebook it, and it is going to be just an absolutely sensational weekend of hockey action in the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League. Thank you very much, Keith Topolsky, uh, with the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League report.